Hey guys, it's Phil. You're listening to the Vision Church Podcast and we're glad you are. I'm telling you, this is going to be a life-changing podcast. We talked about the significance of serving and this is something that God just really dealt with me and, and taught me about the importance of, of not taking lightly or treating serving as insignificant. So I think it's going to be a podcast that will leave a mark on your life. So man, prepare your heart and enjoy the podcast. Why don't we pray and we will get into the word this morning. How many of you ready to get into the word? How many of you are not stressing out about Christmas? You're not worried, not concerned. Come on. Yeah. Good for you. I'm talking to the right group. Let's pray. Father, we just pray, Lord, that your will would be done in this place, that your kingdom would come on earth at vision as it is in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for speaking to our hearts. We thank you, Lord, for causing us to rise up in faith in greater levels. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, and if you agree, say amen. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, this morning over to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. Come on. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Uh, How many of you enjoyed... November, Vision Month, November here at Vision Church. It was amazing. We had Jen Trangel the first week. We had Paul and Yvette Ladado the second. We had um, John Tash the third. And then when I didn't think it could get any better, we had Pastor Joseph Wilson from India this last week. And I'm telling you, he blessed my socks off. I I got a whole lot more than I expected. And I learned so much about India. I got to hang out with him the whole week. He stayed um, here in town. We found a great place for him to stay. And a family just really blessed him. They had an ensuite, and he was well provided for. We picked him up every morning. But I got to hang out with him all day, every day. And I, so I, I was full of questions about India and what's, what, it, what it's like to live there and what it's like uh, to receive persecution. And, you know, remember we talked about his sweatshirt and how he had the image of Jesus on his sweatshirt. And the price that he pays to wear that in India is a whole lot different than the price I would pay to wear it here. And that really affected me. That he said, oh, anytime I have an opportunity to get something that has Jesus' image on it or has, uh, has his name on it, I buy it and I wear it on purpose. He said, in fact, I'm going to decorate my house. I'm going to put lights on my house. It's going to look beautiful. He said, Pastor Phil, it's going to look like yours. I said, that's awesome, dude, because we like Christmas lights. And so he, put, he said, I'm going to put Christmas lights on my house and everybody will know that I celebrate Christmas. I just went, oh, God, help us. Help me to get a different perspective of what it means to follow Jesus. So here's what we're doing. You notice that we have the new sweatshirts. They're $40, but get this. All of anything that we get from those sweatshirts, all of it's going to Pastor Joseph in India. So I'm telling you, buy a hoodie. All the extra money is going to Pastor Joseph. So, and I want to thank you guys because we blessed him big time. 
uh, when he came, they, they, he told me that, you know, when their building burned, you guys gave, and we gave $2,000 toward them getting their building fixed up, back up. But he said it was going to be $5,000. And so we were able to send him home with $3,000 to be able to finish everything and to get back up and having service. So thank you guys for stepping up and making a difference in his life. We prayed already, right? All right, so before we got into Vision uh, November and we started doing Vision Month, we started talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And some people might say that his kingdom is opposite of the kingdom of this world. Some ministers call this system that we're in here the, a Babylonian system, the way that we operate uh, here. And the way that God's systems work, God's systems work is opposite of what this world system is. So we could say that God's system is right side up and this system is upside down. I mean, it is. And so, for instance, in God's system, if you want to save your life, what he's saying is, give it up. If you want to save your life, in the world system, we would say, if you want to save your life, hold on to it. I mean, get everything you can and can everything you get. You know? I mean, if there's any way that you can hold on to your life, hold on to your life. But what the Bible says in Matthew 16 is, if anyone wants to be a follower of Jesus, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If I try to hang on, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. In other words, you have to give up to go up. It's going to cost you. We've said this, that salvation is free, but following Jesus is going to cost you everything. Yeah, thank you. Amen. Number two, um, another thing that's different in these systems is, you know, you want to get even with people sometimes. But Jesus said this in Matthew 5. He said, you heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you to love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Listen to Romans 12. It says this, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. One of the things we did when Pastor Joseph was here last week was we uh, took him to an India restaurant because we wanted him to train us on India food. Um, Zach and Becca, they got to actually go there and eat it, but you know, the rest of us wanted to have uh, a close experience. And so the restaurant that we went to, he was familiar with because it was a restaurant that he said in every state in India, they all prepare the food differently. And so this actually had the name of the state was the name of the restaurant. And see, he knew exactly uh, what the food was going to be like when we walked in. And so he began to talk about it and he began to coach us on how to order. Well, the waitress that was in there, she was just not having a good day. And she just was not, she was having trouble being nice. And, and she was really correcting Joseph on, on their food and how they prepare it. And, and I was like, the dude's from, anyway, sorry. Uh, but, and so Zach made a comment that I thought, oh, that's so Jesus. Zach said, I think somebody needs a big tip. Well, in the world system, how many of you know, she doesn't deserve a big tip. But aren't you glad that you didn't get what you deserve? Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. Right? Aren't you so glad that Jesus looked past our sin and he died for us anyway? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, man, I'm so thankful for that. 
Anyway, so we gave her, we gave her a good tip. Amen. We loved honor. Number three, what about prosperity? In order to prosper, we have to give things away, don't we? It says in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will men give back into your bosom? The King James Version says, the bosom is just a, an old English word for pocket. How many of you got pockets? Isn't it nice when somebody blesses you, gives back because you've been given. But this is the one that I really want to focus on today. And that's this, is the significance of serving. The significance of serving. So if you found, how many of you found Matthew 20 yet? All right. Matthew 20, look over at verse 25. Jesus has a, a, a scripture or two before this. Jesus is talking about um, going to the cross. He's talking about his plan, his purpose, what God has sent him to earth to do, to die on the cross, to be resurrected and to ascend on high and to pay the penalty for your sin, for mine. And so Jesus is just talking about this before the verse as they're, and then they leave to go to Capernaum. On the way to Capernaum, the disciples are talking back and forth about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus turns around and asks them once they get there, so what were you guys talking about on the road? Don't you love Jesus? Uh, we were talking about who's going to be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so here's what Jesus responds with in verse 25. He says, you know that the rulers of the world lorded over the people and the officials. They flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I think sometimes serving to some people just seems mundane. It seems repetitive. It seems uh, unexciting and insignificant. Especially when you're doing something that doesn't feel important or something that's not in front of people, something that's seemingly insignificant. And the thing that, God just really called me out on this. One night I was praying, I was just spending some time in prayer. I, I don't know about you guys, but our bathroom master closet area is my prayer room, man, it's my prayer closet. And I get in there and, and I was just praying and seeking God. and. He gave me this word. He said this to me. He said, don't underestimate the power of seemingly insignificant opportunities to serve. And I thought, wow, that's, that's a lot to digest right there. Let me read it again. He said, don't underestimate the power of seemingly insignificant opportunities to serve. So, uh, man, I started just really chewing on that and thinking about, wow, I get opportunities to serve all the time on a regular basis. Uh, last night, for instance, um, we finished uh, the funeral and, and then I came home from the funeral and we invited the family over to eat at our house that we would prepare a meal for them because, you know, they didn't. They didn't know, they, didn't, they weren't going to have a reception at the church. 
and some awesome ladies in the church helped us put that together. Um, but when we got to the house, I thought, wow, you know what? This is an amazing, this is what Jesus was talking about. Or God spoke to my heart that, that this is an opportunity, this is an insignificant opportunity to serve. And so I helped them get their plates and I helped them with their drinks. And then as they're eating, I went around and checked and made sure they had everything and I brought dressing to a lady and I, and then I, I saw drinks needed to be refilled and so I went and got drinks or some people didn't have drinks and so I went and got them drinks and then when they were done eating, I started picking up their plates, throwing them away, telling them about our dessert table that we had, you know. That's a little thing. But I, th I think what we're going to see through this this morning, what I'm hoping that we'll see in my mission to get accomplished this morning is that we'll see the value in the seemingly insignificant moments that we serve people and what it's going to do, what it does in our lives. Okay, so are you with me? <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. So in order to serve, though, first of all, we have to have a heart of flesh. The Bible talks about two different kinds of hearts. It talks about the stony heart, the heart that's callous, the heart that's hard. And then it talks about this heart of flesh, right? And why is this important? Because a stony heart is a heart that you can't get through to. It's, not, it's a heart that's stubborn. It's not easily moved. My dad and I were one time on a horse on one of the trails. You know how you go and you ride the horse and they take you down the trail. And I was probably about three or four years old and I was riding in front of my dad and he was sitting right behind me holding on to me and we're riding the trail. And this horse kept getting slower and slower and the horses in front of us kept getting out further and further and further. And finally, this horse had had enough of us and he reared up like we were long, you know, the Lone Ranger or something. He did this rare and I thought, oh wow, all we need now is a sunset and like a breeze, you know, and a black hat and a black cape, anyway. And so it rears up and then the horse just sits down. Well, when it sat down, my dad, of course, just stepped off and he grabbed me. And now we're walking because that horse is not going anywhere. He just sat there. So we left him. We walked, you know, back to the trail and they had to come and get their horse. The horse had had enough. And sometimes I hear people and it's just a little disheartening that people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm stubborn. I'm just a little stubborn. And I just want to say, well, do you know that that's not a fruit of the Spirit? <laughs> stubborn? It's nowhere in there. You can't find it. In fact, I challenge you. See if you can find stubborn, where God says, yeah, this is a, this is a benefit in your life. No, it's not, because I think about that horse that didn't want to go anywhere. I've owned a horse and I know what it's like to have a horse that you can't get her to go anywhere. You know, sometimes she won't move because I don't have the strength. When I was eight years old, we, were, we, we got our first horse and I was so excited. I put the reins on her and I was leading her around the pasture and it had recently rained <clears throat> and I made a mistake. I was walking and I was, I mean, I was a little guy. I think I was four foot 11 until I was about a junior in high school. I mean, I was just, I didn't grow until later. 
And so anyway, so I was this little guy and I'm leading this horse and I stopped and she took one extra step. Well, when she took one extra step, she planted on my foot. Yeah. And fortunately, because of the rain, my foot just sunk down into the ground. But I was going nowhere. I could not, and I wasn't strong enough to push her off. So all I could do was just yell. <laughs> and somebody finally came and helped. But I, okay, back to stubborn. Sorry. Stubborn. It's not a fruit of the Spirit. And see, a heart that is calloused is a heart that's stubborn. That means that God has to, to do something dramatic to get you to move. He has to somehow sway you to move, dangle a carrot out in front of you to get you to get up off of your cans and get moving down the road, right? What if Jesus would have been like that? <clears throat> what if he had been stubborn? Is he going to the cross? Uh-uh. Gethsemane? No. And you and I wouldn't have a savior. We would have no hope. And so this isn't a fruit. Okay, I've spent enough time on it, right? Okay, so what God wants to do is he wants to give us a heart of flesh. And he wants to get rid of the hardness of heart so that we have a heart of flesh. So that we're, we're the kind of people that are rain trained. When our horse, our horse was so rain trained that all she had to feel was all I had to do was just move the reins just a little this way. And she felt it across her neck. And she would turn and just start walking in that direction. Why? She was rain trained. That's the way that we should be with the Holy Spirit. We should be so sensitive to him that we're rain trained. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? All right. <clears throat> so there's a couple of things that I feel like are important uh, in this. You guys remember Joseph, Pastor, uh, Pastor Joseph Wilson said a powerful statement while he was here. He said this, I am not a celebrity that is celebrated. I am to celebrate the true celebrity who is Jesus. Do you remember when he said that? He said, I'm not a celebrity to be celebrated. I think sometimes we get stopped in serving other people when we suddenly decide that we're some kind of celebrity. I heard about this girl that got depressed because her, her, um, her following on social media had dropped by a couple thousand. And she had hundreds of thousands. And she went into a depression. Yeah, okay. So I, so I feel like it's important because if you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead. And that's not the attitude that God wants us to have. And so I want you to flip over to Genesis chapter 39 with me. And what I want to do is spend the rest of the time looking at what it looks like to be a good servant somebody who serves well and see the significance of serving. And this is one of my favorite people in the Old Testament. His name is Joseph. You're probably familiar with him. Oh, by the way, um, we're excited because in, in Vision Kids right now, we have two classes going on. We have classes for the older kids and we have class, a class now for the younger kids. So they, you know, so you don't have the babies with the older kids now. And we're excited about that because we've been growing and you guys have been bringing more babies and, and young kids in. And that's a cool thing to have. But what I'm excited about is that we are teaching them about the, the, the men and the women of the Bible. We're not, this is not vision daycare. Okay, 
just wanted you to know that. We're, we're not a daycare. We are teaching your children who people are, who Joseph is. And so I'm going to teach the big kids in here, amen, this morning. So, uh, all right, so let's look at Joseph here. Joseph, in Genesis 39, this is, uh, this is Joseph. You guys remember the story? He had brothers that didn't like him because his father, um, you know, really treated him uh, better than than really the other sons and so they became envious they became jealous and they sold him into slavery they finally got so bad that they just said you know what we're either going to kill him or we're going to sell him into slavery so they sold him uh, to the Ishmaelites and you remember he went from freedom to working in Potiphar's house an Egyptian and he became a slave in this household. And so I want you to see his attitude in Genesis 39. Look at verse two. It says that the Lord was with Joseph. Man, I'm here to tell you in your darkest moment, God is with you. It doesn't matter what you've been through. It doesn't matter what you've experienced in your life. It doesn't matter who's taken advantage of you or, or whether or not you've been betrayed. In your darkest moment, God is with you. God is with you. His brothers betrayed him. And so in verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. And so he succeeded in everything he did as he served the home of his Egyptian master. So notice that he succeeded as he served. When we decide that we're going to be the kind of people that serves others, then success happens in your life. It comes with it. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about that. But jump down to verse 5, and it says this. In verse 5, it says, The Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and his livestock flourished. So notice this, that God is blessing Potiphar. Why? For Joseph's sake. So guess what? God is blessing your boss. Why? For your sake, when you serve well, when we decide that we're going to serve our employer or the, serve the person that God has placed in authority in our life, and we're going to serve that ministry or we're going to serve on that job, then God will bless that company because you're there. Now, that's not an opportunity for you and I to be like, oh, well, yeah, they're blessed because I'm there. That's right. Now, no, now we, now we need to get down on our knees and repent for pride and then get on our face and say, oh God, thank you. The only reason that I'm blessed is because I'm serving you. Let me show you that from Colossians 3, 23. Colossians 3, verse 23 says this, and whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not to man. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So I'm supposed to be serving the Lord, but I'm not supposed to ignore the man or the woman that God has placed in authority in my life. I'm supposed to serve them as I serve the Lord. I remember before, uh, before we started traveling in ministry, I was working for a secular company. I worked for a boss who was not very, he could be cantankerous. Can I use that word? I mean, he was, you know, he was gruff, he was very rough, you know, with people. And I, I watched him fire two guys in front of me, you know, it was like, oh, okay, you know, bye. And, uh, but I, I determined I was going to serve him 
the way that I would serve God because God had given me that job. He'd blessed me with that job. And I began to serve him every day. I began, to, I began to show up early for work. I began to go above and beyond. And I got rid of the attitude of that's not my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got rid of that attitude and I started getting the attitude of, no, I, you know what? I'm serving as unto the Lord. Well, you know what happened? I, I started gaining favor. He started giving me deals that I didn't even close. I didn't even sell the deal. Why? Because as I'm serving him, I'm serving as unto the Lord. And how many of you know favor comes on that? And God was blessing him because I was there. Doesn't that take on a whole new perspective when it comes to serving? in the company that you work for? In your job, wherever you are? Doesn't that give you a, a perspective that's like, man, God, no. I, because it doesn't matter who your boss is. It doesn't matter what they're like. It doesn't matter if they're a Christian or if they're not a Christian, if they're mean or if they're nice. Then you're no longer basing your job on that. You're, you're serving as unto the Lord. That, man, Pastor Phil, it's good preaching. Okay. Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in verse six, it says, so Potiphar, notice this, Potiphar gives Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing. Eat. So guess what promotion gives you? More responsibility. It gives you more responsibility. That's actually a blessing. That means because you've been faithful with little, God gives you more. And if you're faithful with the more, he'll give you greater. It's always supposed to take us to something because some people I think have the perspective that, well, when I make it big, I won't have to do that anymore. No, you'll actually be responsible for more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Think about this. Joseph was not Potiphar's only servant. This was a perspective that was interesting to me because I went back and I read about when he was at home because Joseph was raised differently than his brothers. His brothers were shepherds and they, they were out in the fields. They were taking care of the livestock. And, but Joseph was at home. What was he doing at home? He wasn't kicking around watching Netflix, okay, and, and just crashing on the couch. What he was doing was a home back then was like a business. I mean, you had servants and they had servants that took care of livestock. They had servants that, that planted and that harvested. They had servants that, that fed everybody and, and did the cooking and all of this. So it was like an entire company that you had to run. And his father taught Joseph how to run the household, how to manage. How did he know to do this for Potiphar? He learned it at home. And so sometimes the job that you're in or the thing that God has you doing right now shouldn't be a frustration to you. It should be a dot in your life that creates a clearer picture of where God has taken you. And that way, when you get down the road a little bit, you'll look back and you'll see the connect, dots connected and you'll be like, oh, wow, this picture is starting to take form. It's really starting to take sense now. It makes sense now. And so what God has me doing today shouldn't be a frustration to me. It should be 
God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you developing in me that will take me to the plan and the purpose that you have for my life? I don't care what it is you're doing. If you're working an assembly line, God uses everything in your life. Yeah, he does. He does. So <clears throat> anyway, so Joseph got promoted. Now look at this next thing that happened. Jump down in chapter 39 to verse 21. Look at what else happened. So then Potiphar's wife begins to cast longing eyes on Joseph. The Bible says that Joseph was a good looking guy and he was muscular. So, wow. So apparently he was something to look at because, you know, women don't just lust after nothing, I don't think. And so she started to, and so she asked him to sleep with her, but she didn't just ask him once. Every day it says that she kept coming back and kept asking, kept asking. And he kept turning her down, he kept turning her down, he kept turning her down. And then finally one day she created a scenario. She got rid of all the servants in the household and she created this situation where she could force him, maybe. And she grabbed a, hold, grabbed a hold of his coat and said, sleep with me. And he took off running. Come on, guys, we should take note. He took off running out of the house. And now he's lost his second coat. Remember the first one? His father made. He lost that one. Now he's lost a second coat. And so what happens? She tells her husband. She lies about him. And now he's thrown in prison. It's gone from bad to worse. But let me tell you, I'm looking at a group of people that I don't know of any of you that have, tell me if you have, that you have gone from being sold into slavery by your family and betrayed by your sisters and your brothers, and now you've been, you've been lied about by somebody else and now you're in prison. How many of you that's, okay. But I want you to notice something about Joseph. Joseph is now in this position. He's in this situation where he's now in prison. And it says in verse 21, it says, but look at the first few words. But the Lord was with him. Even if you, if you made your bed in hell, God would be with you. If you're living for him, if you're serving him, if he's on the inside of you, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's people that leave God. It's not God that leaves people. Mm, man. And so here, the Lord is with him in prison. And he showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite of the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. And the warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. And the Lord was with him and caused him and caused everything he did to succeed. So notice that Joseph found purpose in serving others. Because if this situation, this scenario happened to somebody in the United States today, they would be on antidepressants, they would be in therapy, and they would be going to counseling. And it probably wouldn't be much better. None of that, because none of that. Does it work without God, really? You need God in the picture. But what's Joseph decide to do? Now, it doesn't say that he had cold feelings for his brothers. It doesn't say that he forgot about his brothers because remember when he told, he told the, uh, the cupbearer, when the cupbearer was brought back before Pharaoh, he said, don't forget me. In fact, tell Pharaoh that I was sold into slavery by my family. So he remembers. 
It's not that the memories were erased. It's that Joseph decided, I'm going to pour myself into serving. As I was sitting in the funeral home with uh, April, I was looking at her and I was thinking what it must be like to bury your husband and to, and to walk through that. And, and so they were talking about the funeral and, and you know this is a funeral home so they offer all these different services and one of the things was that they, they made these uh, cards you know that go with the service that tells you what's gonna happen in the service and that kind of thing. And, and he said you know these, we can do this for you and this is gonna cost this amount. And April looked at me and she said, could I, could I do that instead of paying them? I said, absolutely. And I began, and she began to talk about it. She said, because I have these creative ideas and I want to put this hand, you know, that this I love you image on the front. And I want, and she began to talk through all these creative ideas that she had. And I began to realize she is doing what Joseph did. She is focusing and putting her focus on a purpose instead of on what's happened to her and how unfair it is. And that's what Joseph is doing. Joseph is pouring his life into serving other people. Man, don't underestimate this. And so in beginning to serve other people, that became his purpose. And as a pastor, I get to walk through a lot of different situations with people. I've seen people lose spouses. And one of the things that I get concerned about whenever it's a spouse is that some spouses have a purpose still. When, they're, when they bury their husband or their wife. They still have a purpose on the inside, on the, on, in front of them. I think about my father-in-law, who's 84 years old, and guess where he is as I'm preaching to you? He's in Africa, preaching the word of God at 84. That's where I want to be when I'm 84, you know, is still doing something for God, you know? And that's what he's doing. I think about my mom, who's recovering, by the way. She's doing, doing better, but she's been sick. But she has a brand new, renewed purpose for her life. She's involved with the church. She's working with us. And she, she does a lot to help us working part-time at the church. She leads a, she leads a woman's uh, prayer Bible study on Wednesday, every Wednesday. And she puts that together. She has purpose for her life. The ones that I get concerned about are the ones that just slip into this depression. And life is no longer worth living because my spouse is gone. And you know what happens? They usually wind up passing away earlier. I remember in World War II, there was a concentration camp where the Jews were taken. And the younger men, the 18, 17, 18, 19 year olds, they died first at this camp. Not because they were killed. They had them in the mines working. And they had to wear, you know, all kinds of, any kind of masks that they could get because, I mean, it was just terrible, all the dust. And it would get in their lungs and they would wind up dying from it. But the young men died more quickly than the older guys. And the one guy that was sharing that said, he said, he said, the young men went very quickly. He said, but the old, he said, those of us that had wives, children at home, he said, we had a purpose and a reason to live. Man, wow. So, but the enemy wants your purpose to be focused on accumulation. What can I accumulate? 
What kind of things can I have? What can I glean from and, and, and save and earn and purchase for myself? But Jesus said, hey, don't worry about your life. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But some people have this mindset, but that, Phil, that's not my calling. I loved what Dan Allred said. He, he talked about how every uh, services when he's here, normally he'll come up and he'll help us tear down. He's really good at winding up cables. You know, I can tell when somebody's wound a cable before, yeah, especially an audio cable, you know because we're kind of particular about our cables, because we want them to last, you know. But anyway, and he'll wind, he'll, he'll wind up the cables, and he told me he, one time, he said, you know, Phil, this is not my calling, but this is something I can do to help. You know, just because you volunteer in kids, just because you volunteer in the tech team, just because you volunteer as an usher, as a greeter, whatever area of the church that you volunteer in, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your end call. But that doesn't mean that you can't do it just because you're not called to that. Jesus washed feet. Was that his calling? No. But he did it as an example for the rest of us. All right, in closing, send the keyboard player. Let's, let's land this plane. In Genesis 41, this is what happened to Joseph. And you know the end of the story, but I want to bring out a couple of things. Because Joseph, uh, God had given him this anointing for dreams, that he understood dreams. And so remember the baker, and you remember the cupbearer and how he, talked, he told them what their dreams meant. And then the cupbearer forgot about him. It was two years that he continued to stay in prison until that one day that Pharaoh had a dream. And nobody could tell Pharaoh what his dream meant. And the cupbearer remembered, oh, there's a guy in prison. I forgot all about him. He said, uh, he said and, and his name is Joseph, and he can tell you his dream. And so Pharaoh called him up and here Joseph appears before Pharaoh and he shares the dream with him and he shares what it means. But then notice what he says in verse 33. This is Genesis 41. In verse 33, it says, therefore, Pharaoh, you should find an intelligent and wise man and put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it to Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it so that there will be food in the cities. That way, there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine comes on the land of Egypt. Otherwise, the famine will destroy the land. How, isn't it interesting that God not only gave him the, the definition of the dream, but he gave him a plan. Do you think that his serving, the way he served his father, the way he served Potiphar, the way he served the warden at the prison, do you think those things helped him come to a place where he was able to develop a plan that would provide the answer that Egypt needed? I'm telling you, don't underestimate the significance of serving. Some of, some of you may be looking at your existing job as mundane, I've been doing it for all these years. I don't understand why 
I'm here. Instead of going to work, going, God, you have something you want to teach me. I don't know what it means. Let me encourage you in something. The way that you serve makes a difference. The attitude with which you serve with, the way that you serve your boss, these are significant. It's huge. Let me give you an example. Um, I used to kind of hold back my best ideas and try and shelve them on a, on a shelf for when my day came and I could pull that idea down, you know, and use it. And, and the Lord dealt with me one morning in prayer. And he said, he said I, uh, we were getting ready to leave and go travel on the road and do missions all across the United States. We did that for five years. We lived in a 38 foot RV, 300 square feet with four people. Try that one see how you do (laughs) it was a growing experience for all of us and and anyway but before God was getting ready to take us on that road and he said Phil here's what I want you to do I don't want you to hold back anything and I knew exactly what he was talking about he said any ideas that I give you I want you to serve this man and his ministry because this is not my ministry this is another another man's ministry he said I want you to serve him as if this is your ministry and I went wow he said don't hold anything back because if you hold stuff back and you give me half-heartedly he said that's a sacrifice that's unacceptable in my sight Man, that was powerful. That affected me. And I realized that the way I serve this man in his ministry determines what God can do with me in the future. And so I did. Man, I began to serve him. And I didn't hold anything back. I brought everything that I could to it and gave everything that I knew to give in that ministry. And do you know that's what launched this ministry? God took us from there and brought us here. And I had no idea what he was going to do. But I want to encourage you. It's in the way that you serve. So take stock right now. How are you serving? How are you serving maybe here at the church? Sometimes, sometimes people, you know, they just, they don't always want to help. And I don't think that God ever intended for a church to just operate on 20%. I don't buy that stat. I don't like it. Because there's a hole, there's a God-sized hole in each one of us that only gets filled when we serve other people.